This episode of Scaled is sponsored by our alumni founding partner, Manuel Oblitas, co-founder of VND. VND is a software development, IT, and server hosting company based in San Antonio, Texas. VND is dedicated to finding efficiency through technology. They create solutions such as advanced web dashboards, mobile apps, and private clouds to see their client's vision become a reality. VND is not a typical software firm. Their advantage running managed IT and data center operations. Doing so provides a multi-pronged approach that lives up to their motto. With tech, anything is possible. So whether you're looking to launch a new app idea or SaaS service, need advanced help on AWS or WordPress complex programming, or need to virtualize your office into the cloud, contact VND. Visit VNDX.com for more. Hello and welcome to Scale, the Latino business story. I'm Elian Salicar, Director of Engagement at Elvin, the Latino Business Action Network. And I'm Juleika Lantigua, Slate alum, co cohort 10, and founder and CEO of LWC Studios. On this show, Latino business owners from all over the country share their journeys as entrepreneurs, and with their stories and insights, they help us contextualize the world-class research coming out of Elbin. And our guest today is Lorena Martinez, co-founder of The Color Bar Salon. Lorena is also an alum from Slayed. Yeah, she is. Another amazing, inspiring Latina for me to just ah, breathe in the same air that she's breathing and feel proud that she's out in the world just taking over. She and I have a similar founder story, which is that we tried the traditional corporate route and then we were like, I need to be the change I want to see in the world. <laughs> and we went and started our own companies. So I am doubly proud of her for that courage and that belief in herself that it takes to take that leap. And her commitment to her craft, her business, and to herself, in spite of naysayers, is one of those absolutely amazing stories. I really connected with her personal immigration story. That was something that, as an immigrant myself, was incredibly important. And that she's had this powerful drive and this faith in herself that really made her successful as an entrepreneur. She's the real deal, honestly. She is so clear about her vision for her company, but more importantly, she's so clear about how that vision must drive all of the decisions that she and her team make, from expanding the business to supporting who might be considered, you know, people who might be considered competitors through COVID. She took that on. That's a huge responsibility. And then she continued to expand and grow by restructuring the business to comply with the state's changing employment laws. It was a lot during a very short period of time. And as she tells us, she just asked herself two questions. What kind of company do I want to have? And how do I stay aligned with my vision? Those seem like benign questions, but those are some of the most important and foundational questions that a business owner can ask themselves on a daily basis. Absolutely. She's not only a true inspiration, but she is an innovator and a game changer. So with that, here's our conversation with Lorena Martinez. Lorena, please introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Elian. I have so many ways of introducing myself now, but now I say the lady, the hairstylist that quit her job in corporate America, and now she is pursuing what she loves. So, you know, I'm a first-generation college student, immigrant, first person in my family to open a business as well. So 
I was born and raised in Mexico and I came here when I was 12. I didn't grow up with my parents. Uh, so that itself was the first challenge in my upbringing. Second one was coming to the U.S. I'm really putting uh, my story out there for any other Latinas that may feel that they're in the same boat. And they're like, well, I can't do it because of this. Well, I can't do it because of that. And now I make sure that I mention all of that in my story so that they feel connected and they feel like they're not alone. That's great, Lorena. And obviously you've you've taken all of that to to create the business that you're in now. Tell us a little bit more about what the hair lady does. What is your business? Where are you? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes. Um, after I quit my corporate job in the Silicon Valley, I opened a first one chair studio. We called it the Color Bar Salon in Sacramento, California. It was challenging, but it's very exciting. It was like falling in love all over again. That's how I felt. Like I was falling in love with something or someone, right? And uh, we started with one studio chair with no clients. My college friends were my clients. They would start recommending me and I would always ask people, well, how did you hear about me? Like, oh, I saw your friend and I saw this person and that person and I knew you from college. So I think it was like a bar of trust that they had. They knew me. They knew of me. And I can also tell you that my story of quitting my job and following my passion was a big, big part of why people wanted to support me. So thank you, everyone. That <laughs> stayed. I still have some of my clients that came with me out of uh, beauty, beauty school, and they still my clients right now. And then we grew. Uh, so we went to a three-chair studio in about six, uh, seven months after I opened the first, the first studio. And uh, about two, two and a half years after that, we moved out of the salon suite concept to a standalone building. And it was six chair and then... Two years after that, we were renewing our lease and we were trying to compare square footage in different areas. And then my husband saw the, the Midtown Salon for sale and he's like, what do you think? And I said no, but then I still went and toured it. And it ended up being one of the best things that I could have followed because within five years, we had two locations. Now in the present, we actually have only one location. I scaled down to grow. And what we did is we make sure we we scale down and we focus on what was working in the salon, what wasn't working so that we could do that. And instead, because my idea was like, we're going to get money and buy a building. And even that, um, when I was in the program, I remember the feedback that Elian actually gave us like, well, why do you want to acquire debt to grow? You could use that to scale. And actually, we did that. The building across the street from the Midtown location came available. So now this is where I'm at with its offices. And here we pivoted on e-commerce. First of all, congrats on the super fast growth. I mean, that is insane for a startup. You've basically doubled and then quadrupled capacity within two years. That's really fast. In the middle of all of that rapid growth, you also had to deal with state legislation that changed around the status of consultants and freelancers and all of that. And that was the news story around the country because California was taking a step that really divided people, both business owners and workers, in terms of who was going to benefit from it. So can you talk to us a little bit about that experience and how you made decisions and ultimately decided to do what you did with your team? 
Yeah, I can tell you, looking back, that was one of the most challenging, scariest, and the most nerve-wracking time for our salon. And I think that even helped us a bit in how we managed expectations in the pandemic, because it really needed to get down to the nitty gritty. We were making this life-changing decisions because the state of California said, first of all, there was even the basic, who should be employee, who should be an independent contractor? Because even in the industry, that wasn't even clear. People were operating in the gray area where they were getting away maybe with giving someone a 1099. That truly should have been an employee. And that's one of the things in our industry doesn't really get talked about. But I think that's something that we need to address because it's important for businesses to understand that, that they're putting themselves at risk. And we had to make a decision and we couldn't just make a decision based on how we felt we should treat our employees. Like we arm ourselves from um, a labor law lawyer that was so great. And we said, this is our vision. Can we do this? And this is how we want to treat it. And she would say, you can do this, but you can't do that because of this. We've always been employee-based. In California, now the main business structure that salons have is independent contractors. So a salon comes and they sublease the chairs to everyone. So there, in my mind, that's a fixed income that you have and it's comfortable, but that I also see as a cap. There's only so much that you can make from one each salon renter. Then you're also uh, limited on what they can do. And as a salon owner, you're limited to what you can ask them to do. So the vision that I had for the color bar was to think like, how cool would it be that we uh, like myself, a bunch of people would get together and they do what they love and they and they have fun and they make money from it. It was this very simple vision, but I think that a lot can get in the way of that vision. And it was at, at that moment, maybe even naive of me thinking, yeah, every day I put a bunch of creatives together and they do what they love and then they live happily ever after. As much as they want to be creatives, we have bills to pay and we need to make money and we need to make a, a decent living right. for us to be happy. Because if we don't have money to pay, then we're also, all of our needs are not being met. Was there pushback from some of the people who were transitioning from being a contractor to being an employee? So this was very interesting. I can, you know, tell people how much I love them, but if we don't show them with numbers, they're going to be like, yeah, cool, but I I love you, but I also need to go and Show me the money. <laughs> and show me the money. And right, just right, like any right, of us, right, you know? Right. And then we're getting pressure from the employees. When are we going to hear about the, the change? So what we did, we did a PowerPoint presentation. And instead of having a big general meeting and telling everybody, we sat with every single one of them individually and went through that PowerPoint presentation. And we asked them directly what questions they might have, any concerns. And we took everything that they had made in the past year and said, this is your hourly rate. And we make sure that no one was taking a pay cut in terms of numbers. That was the main thing. Some of them, it was really great because especially for the new stylists, what that meant is that before they were working commission, so if they didn't have a client, if they didn't want to stay and stick around, they could go home, but they weren't making money. If they wanted to stick around, I said, I'll pay you the hourly, but you need to be working on something. Yeah. And so that was the difference. Now they didn't have to go home and they get, were going to get paid regardless if they had clients or not. And what that meant was stability for them. But the hypothesis that I had is that the senior stylists were going to look at that and they were going to be like, eh, no, thank you. Peace out. 
actually the turnover that we had it was the younger stylist. Oh, interesting. Because the younger stylist had the mentality like, oh, I could be making a lot more. And they actually jumped ship and some of them came back. <laughs> they saw everything that it was like being independent because they only see in our reports, we're very transparent. Everybody can access the reports in a point of sales because they need to be able to track their individual performance. So how can they track it if we gatekeep those numbers? So we said, look at all those numbers and you can calculate and make sure that you don't feel like we're lowballing you with those numbers. And again, the senior stylists, some of them had already come to the color bar because they had been independent contractors before. So they knew how much is to run to chair. They knew about how much they keep. They knew after tax, how much they make. And they could calculate and they can crunch their numbers and come up to the decision that, yes, we were being fair to them um, in their hourly rate. And they saw some benefits to it. So they saw the value. And one thing that I think a great thing that came out of it is that before, because we couldn't foresee, we couldn't track as much on the performance because it was commission. Now we could foresee numbers. We could estimate numbers a little bit better. And we we're able to offer for the first time ever a paid vacation to our employees, especially the senior ones. That's amazing. <laughs> so you get one with paid vacation. They're like, wow. And even the first time that they redeemed it, they're like, so I just tell you any time off. <laughs> I was like, if we would plan in advance and you block your, your time and the clients know, and even if you need time off, tell the clients you need to taking some time off. And that was different because uh, in the industry, it's a little bit front upon because everybody focused on performance. You need to make more and more and more. And we said, like, your body, you're not a robot. You can only do so much work. And you need that time to disconnect and to recharge and to to just self-care. And I think that that some for some of the stylists, that was very new. And they felt, they're like, this feels weird. And when they would come back, they loved that their paycheck hadn't changed. Or they loved that it was a slow day. They still were able to make ends meet. And they were, they were nervous about whether they were going to make ends meet at the end of the month, like if it would have been with our old commission style. And so, Lorena, I think this is all great. And you're you're gearing towards the LBN research bingo, which is you're disrupting an industry. You're treating your employees better than anyone else in the industry. I want to talk about capital. This is a big lift, right? What you're doing, the way you're innovating, the way you're disrupting. How did you sort of tackle that of like, how do we get capital? How are we able to uphold all of these things that we want to do with this new style? This is a very real thing that I want to talk about because a lot of us that Latinos that first open our, our business don't really talk about. And it's the relationship that we have with money growing up. And I can tell you, it might sound like super cheesy, but I had to heal my relationship with money. I used to think like I need to have tons of money to start a business. But I always thought like, I'll figure it out. So I can tell you that when I started the studio, I didn't think I could get any loans because I was starting. So when I started the, the studio, my husband said, you take care of the bills at the studio. I take care of the bills at home. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you even accepting help at the beginning. And I think people go through this a lot where they don't want to accept help from like families or friends or even banks because they don't, they have the fear of borrowing, owing something. And it's fear based. And I've changed my mindset to abundance and love. And when I switched that, just, I can't, I, it sounds like crazy, but just money started coming. The first studio, 
I didn't pay myself at the beginning, but it was a little bit of fear based. I was like, what if I don't, have, my fear was like, what if I don't have money to pay bills? But that fear made me work harder. I'm like, nope, this is not going to happen. And my big Latina pride was like, hell no, I'm not going to ask my husband for money. So we've always been that strong independent woman that never asked anybody for money. I've been financial independent since I moved out for college. And my goal was like, one day I want to pay myself the same salary that I had when I was in corporate. Because again, I was trying to, in a way, prove myself that I could make the same or more money doing hair than in corporate. And we didn't get a loan until we moved to the six chair salon and we got an equipment loan. But by that time we had been operating for more than two years and it was really easy. And it was like, I think only a $10,000 loan for the equipment because we didn't want to over borrow, right. but it was a very safe, very easy process without like, oh, we're asking for a lot of money at the bank. It was like 10 grand. Okay. You know, because they saw our record and they saw our receipts. So I was like, oh, okay. And even <laughs> me thinking, oh, I don't want to owe money. Let's pay this up front. No, you can do it little by little. There's no need. Like, don't like run out of cash, you know? And so again, limiting beliefs. And so I had to kind of heal it and say, like, I don't have to be fearing that I'm going to run out of money as long as I'm booked. And I was always blessed to have, we've always been able to, have more clients that we can handle. Even when a stylist leaves, we open their books to all the clients, say, the stylist is leaving. Uh, you can follow them or stay with us. You're always going to be our clients no matter what. And they, some of them return. Some of them still buy products from us. And But it's, again, it's abundance mindset. So, Lorena, I want to pick up on this notion of abundance um, because I clearly see it manifesting in how you scaled your business. But you reached out beyond your business. You actually started to help, you know, what some people might consider the competition, other salon owners. How did you do that? Why did you do that? What has been the result of doing that? A couple of years back, we had tapped into abundance and helping our, our industry by helping salons going through the transition of defining employees or contractors. And we created a workshop, a free workshop for all salons that would be interested in coming and getting their, their questions answered. So we had done that and we had seen positive feedback, kind of creating a community and helping them. So when the pandemic came along, what we did is we created this Facebook group called Salons Rising Together. And the whole purpose of it is for us to come together and share so whatever we were doing, we were also sharing with all the salons that they could sell products, that they could sell gift certificates, how to motivate or um, uh, lift them all up with their employees. I would get invited to other groups to speak about these. And I would also take one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with salon owners from different parts of the state and even out of state and just sharing, this is what we've been doing. This is our model. This is how we've grown our business. So if you want to do that, go for it. Obviously, something's working. Obviously, good things are coming from the way we are leading our salon. And it's, again, it's the love. I'm leading from love, not fear. And even saying that in corporate felt wrong before. And now I said, you know what? I don't even care anymore. I'm owning it. I'm, I don't care if people call me super cheesy. I'm owning the cheese. And I give people the deadly dose of cheesiness. And we talk love and abundance all day long at the color work. And the, the staff embraces this. I'm like, hey, you're going with it. Let's do this. 
Thank you so much, Lorena. Thank you for all the work that you do. You're innovating the industry, you're creating change, and you're creating this business that absolutely creates value to our community and to Latinas everywhere. So you're an inspirational story. Here, here. Thank you. And, you know, the program is always have a forever cheerleader here. I'm always recruiting for everyone. Thank you so much, Lorena. Chileka, Lorena was great. It's an old school industry that's always done things the same way. She went about it, changed an industry, was hit with a pandemic, and all those changes she made worked out. All that risk paid off. She had me at, I quit my corporate job because <laughs> I quit my corporate job to start my business too. That is the fundamental difference between people who change the world and people who just kind of participate in the world. And Latinos are so socially, economically, and politically conditioned to toe the line, to wait your turn, to ask permission, and that there is really only one way for you to be successful. And she was like, okay, I did that, but I'm not happy. (laughs) So let me go do something I love and in the process, get happy. I mean, that is 100% the story of so many incredibly successful people who followed their passion, but who first had to learn the hard way that that sort of like American dream rubric does not fit everybody. I love everything about her story and the fact that she also went through it in California at a time where California did something radical in terms of forcing everyone to take millions of contract workers off of the 1099s and onto W-2s. Yeah. The amount of things that she had to take on, right? That that law change, the pandemic. There were so many takeaways from her story. One of the things that I really loved about what she talked about was taking some steps back to be able to take that big step forward. And I think that's such a fear-inducing thing to do, right? Of and especially as Latinos, right, yes. to, to go to family, to go to friends and be like, actually, we're going to be going smaller first so that we can become even bigger. Right. Like, I can't even imagine going to a cookout or, or to like a party and be like, oh, actually, we went from three to one or, you know, you know. OK, but, you know, we have that saying in Spanish. Un paso para atrás, ni para coger impulso, right? (laughs) Like it is ingrained in us. Like we don't go backward. We are always moving forward. And to do that and to now be at a bigger place, to be just so much more successful, it takes so much risk. It takes so much guts. And Ganas, super proud of what she's done. And there's so much more there that is going to be happening in the next few years. She's definitely somebody that you want to be looking out for. Oh, definitely. And it is so motivating and inspiring and energizing, really, to meet women like her and to get a sense of, that's right, I am part of a small army of Latina businesswomen who are going out there and really changing what is possible for us. I'm like, let's go. I'm ready to attack. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Latinas are, in fact, changing the world and they're changing it from the business perspective. Lorena is one of the many stories that we have at Elban. So really excited with everything that she talked about. She's doing a tremendous job. Now, here's our Latino business moment of Zen, inspired by our guest. Inhale. And exhale. Close your eyes and repeat after me. We live in a loving and abundant world. 
In both life and business, I give love, support, and abundance to others. And I'm open to receiving love, support, and abundance from others. Latino business owners represent an important segment of the U.S. economy. As a whole, we generate $460 billion in revenue and employ 2.9 million workers. According to our survey data, the majority of Latino business owners are paying above minimum wage. And Latino business owners report offering equal or higher rates of benefits and opportunities for growth to their employees relative to white business owners. Inhale and exhale. We live in a loving and abundant world. Open your eyes now and carry on with your day. This episode was supported by our Elban alumni founding sponsors, Windrose Vision, VND, and Fig Factor Media. Scaled, the Latino business story is produced by LWC Studios for Elban. Virginia Lora is our producer. Kojin Tashiro and Elizabeth Nakano are our mixers. Kojin Tashiro did our sound design. Paulina Velasco is managing producer. To learn more about the work and research Elban is doing and their business scaling program at Stanford, please visit elban.us. That's L-B-A-N dot U-S. Thanks for listening. I'm Juleika Lantigua. Antigua.